welcome to that multiplier bonus. What's your sign, Earth Lady? Pick a party favor. What if you could go to not just the greatest place on Earth, everything that you've trained for, everything that you've ever dreamt of and ever thought you could ever become, what if you could go to that place and not just make hundreds or thousands of dollars, make millions upon millions upon millions of dollars, even to the billions upon billions of dollars. And you were told that what you were, what you were doing maybe was cheating. And you had thought that what you were doing was on the up and up and people told you that it was on the, on the up and up. So what if you became a legend in what you did? And what if you would want to take not just the casinos around you, but what if you wanted to go all the way to the greatest gambling capital of the planet? And I know you could say different things for Macau or for Monte Carlo, but what if you wanted to go to the greatest gambling capital of Mecca? If you wanted to go to Vegas. And you had studied and you had known that there are a billion different ways and a billion and a million different ways that the casino wins. Odds are slanted in the house's favor and everyone is expecting the casino to win everything. What if you had discovered a way and found a way that that wasn't going to happen? That you could beat them? Would you take it? What would you do? And I've often wondered that, and I've often studied that, and tried to figure it out, and tried to delve deeper into it, and trying to try to get into it. And ever since the movie 21, now anyone who's seen the movie and likes it as I do, likes the movie as I do, you should read Ben Mesrick's book called Bringing Down the House. Um, the movie 21 is based on Ben's book, Bringing Down the House. The book is phenomenal. The movie was great. The book is even better. Ben is a great, great author, and a lot of his other books. And that isn't the first gambling book he's written. There have been a few, and all of, he's a great writer and he's a great storyteller, and it goes really far, and you'll enjoy it. But I've often wondered, like those stories are just enthralling to me. Now, I'm not a gambler. I don't do things like that. That's just. It's, I wouldn't get enjoyment out of that. That's not my character to do that. But I love, as people who have listened to this episodes before, I adore and I love Vegas. Absolutely adore it. And there's just something about it. Something about going there and being there. There's an aura about it that's unlike anything else on the planet. That you can get a feel for for life and for experiences there that you can't get anywhere else. It just doesn't exist. And like I said, no, I'm not a gambler. I'm also not a partier. I don't that to to go bar hopping and doing a pub crawl. That just kind of that's that that's not my style. That's that's not interesting to me. And I would never do that. But 
I would go to a bar. I would go to a club with friends and hang out there. Sounds like fun to me. Uh, but I wouldn't go. I wouldn't bar hop. I wouldn't pub crawl. It's just not. It's not interesting to me. But I, there's something about Vegas. There's something about it that it's hard to describe other than to say there's an aura about it that's unlike anything else on the planet. Anything else that everyone will love. And I've wondered, for these people who think that they're better than it, people who think that they can overcome it and top it, first of all, you're wrong. You can't. And it's just, your, your head isn't, 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 yes, I know you're thinking you actually can, because there have been stories of people who have beaten Vegas and who have crushed it. So it actually can be done. There'll be one person in here that we'll talk about that that it's just it's just interesting to to get into him to more about to to learn more about him. But you can't you you can't beat Vegas. Vegas always has it over you. And you just I wouldn't say that you go in and respecting that that Vegas is tops, so Vegas is better than you are, but appreciate that if you try to push the envelope someone's going to try and catch you and you're not going to like what happens when they do especially especially in the early days of vegas when vegas was ruled by the mob when the mob ruled vegas there's dozens of stories i keep coming back to i come back to the legends of the, the legends of the flamingo and everyone's famous names there and everyone's everyone knows bugsy Bugsy Siegel, and Bugsy took over the flamingo from Billy Wilkerson, who conceived the flamingo and tried to develop it based on his thoughts and his ideas, and Billy Wilkerson had actually started out in L.A., and he had done a lot of things out there, and he tried to move move to Vegas and create something there, and Bugsy moved in on him and kind of muscled him out. Now, there's a whole different episode I've done on that and a whole different things on that. But there's a lot about that, and there's a lot about these people who think that they can get away with it. And when it comes to winning money at casinos, there are plenty of people who do so legitimately. And many of them walk away with massive winnings. That being said, there are plenty of people who try to get one over on the casinos and walk away with what can be described as illegitimate winnings. People who cheated the casinos and often got caught. Even some of those people that do get caught go down in history for their actions have become have become quite famous or infamous because of it. There are famous names, famous names. One of the big most one of the famous ones is Tommy Glenn Carmichael, who was a slot cheat. And he was one of the most famous cheats in the world was Tommy Glenn Carmichael. Mr. Carmichael gained, Carmichael gained notoriety in the 1980s when he cheated Vegas Casino slot games by using a magnetic, magnetic, magnetic device that was er, inserted into the coin slots. Carmichael would influence the outcome of spins such that they would result in him winning much more frequently than they were supposed to be, than he was supposed to. Carmichael did not get very far, however, because casinos began updating their slot games and his device no longer helped him cheat. I believe his device was his device was called like a 
like a light wand or a cheating light wand and he would stick the light wand uh he would stick the light wand in the in the in the coin slot or into the coin slots and the light would trick the sensor to confuse it or make it think that it hadn't dispensed as much money as it had and would keep spitting out more money than than the player had actually won, than in this case, than Carmichael had actually won. Even though casinos were actively updating their slot games, some smaller establishments did not replace their machines right away. As such, Carmichael used, used this as an opportunity to rob smaller casinos blind. That is, until he was arrested and put in prison for five years. Once his time was served, Carmichael came out of prison to a world where slot machines were nothing like he could remember. He immediately bought one of the newest machines and set out trying to figure out ways he could cheat them. After some time, Carmichael was able to create a light device that, when shown, when shown shoved into the coin slot, would trigger a sensor that I just mentioned that would then trigger a winning result. Carmichael not only made money by using the device he created, he also sold it to other unscrupulous characters who utilized it as well. A lot of this, like I said, has come from my notes, some things that I've gathered. As told, Carmichael made a good bit of money, having cheated Vegas casinos, but he was eventually caught and sentenced again in the late 90s. Nowadays, he works hand-in-hand with casinos in order to thwart would-be cheaters. Now, this is kind of an interesting thing when you, yes, the argument can be made one of the best ways to catch a cheater is to recruit a cheater. One of the best ways to catch people who routinely cheat and make a lifetime out of it and make a life out of it is to recruit a cheater, to get someone who did this for a lifetime. One of the best way to catch them is to get someone who knows what they're doing. Like... And I can, and that reminds me a lot of, I go back to something that something very infamous that happened out here, in the Seattle area, um, the Green River Killer, Gary Ridgeway, who is the most devilish man in existence, and he's now, uh, he now he's he's now in prison in Walla Walla. But anywho, back in back when he was being chased and the cops caught him before the cops caught him. They consulted with another famous serial killer, Ted Bundy. And they used Ted Bundy's information, what Bundy was telling them, and what he knew, this is how a killer behaves. And this is how a killer acts. And this is how you catch him. They used Bundy's information and they used Bundy's pointers to track Ridgeway down. So this is kind of, and that's, some, that's kind of similar to, I know the comparison is a little off, comparing a casino cheat to a killer is kind of an indirect comparison because one is significantly worse than the other. One ends lives, the other one just ends casinos or tries to. So it's kind of, but, but that makes you think that, that you're giving someone who knows what they're doing, giving you a leg up on the people who are still doing it, trying to catch them. Now, the issue facing all casinos and facing anywhere in the gambling world is that if this person is giving you advice on catching the cheaters, what is this person telling you? Is he actually giving you real advice? 
of what he would done, would have done and what he did and trying to give you a leg up on how they think or is he actually leading you, misleading you and giving you false information and trying to cheat you claiming that he's a good person and claiming that he's on the up and up so is he doing what he really says he's doing what you really have recruited him for I know it's a matter of trust and can you trust him and are you going to try to trust him and how does it go from there what do you do but it's kind of it's just interesting another one another famous person is Ida Summers commonly known as the Vegas Vixen when it comes to casino cheats the stories surrounding them are typically male centric when there were women involved they were usually utilized to distract dealers and pit bosses so that a male, or a group of males, could execute whatever cheat it was they were trying to pursue. In the case of Ida Summers, however, a beautiful woman was used as a, a beautiful woman was used as a distraction. But that same beautiful woman was at the center of a great blackjack cheating ring that took place during the 1960s in Vegas. During her initial cheats, Summers would utilize sleight of hand to get over on dealers and pit bosses. Basically, Summers would execute quick maneuvers which would see her remove unwanted cards from a deck and replace them with cards which would see her win a giving hand. Summers got bolder as time moved on and she would, she would be seen introducing entirely new decks of cards to specific blackjack tables. These decks would be set up in such a way that she was given an extremely large advantage over the house. These decks were known as coolers and ended up netting Summers a pretty, a pretty big penny, a pretty big chunk of change during their use. Eventually, as is the case with most cheats, Summers was apprehended by law enforcement and was put on trial for her supposed crimes. At the end of the day, however, Ida never, Ida never spent a single, never spent any time behind bars, and was given a meager probation sentence. That kind of thing can often be thought of. You can often kind of go maybe to what what they did. Like when the mob ran the casinos, you would not be arrested, or you would not be. All this legal proceedings wouldn't go. The mob would probably just take you up back and kill you. And take you up back and shoot you. That is probably very likely to happen. Probably very probably very much would happen. Excuse me a second. Allergy cough. <coughs> Sorry, I tried to move the microphone away from my mouth so you didn't hear that. And I apologize to everyone for that. But, as you can see from these two examples, casino cheats have gained some fame, but they, also, but they almost, also almost always gain attention from the wrong people, specifically these days, law enforcement. As time moves on, cheaters have advanced, but so too have casinos, where cheaters thrive. Nowadays, you must understand that, it, that you are constantly under the watchful eyes of casino security, even though you might not realize it. Like, for example, go into a casino anywhere. Walk into a casino anywhere. Easily, or more specifically in Vegas, and look over your head. And look up on the ceiling. There's cameras everywhere. 
absolutely everywhere. And they're watching you. Now, one of the documentaries I had just seen talks about one of the best and most advanced places is the Aria in Vegas. And there are, not just in the Aria, but in casinos everywhere, there are what's called like squeeze points or, or high traffic points where they try to funnel people down an escalator or, or through a specific area in the casino where there's a lot of cameras, where the cameras can get a good shot of your face. Or the cameras can get a good shot of how you're walking or body language or stuff like that. And they're just, they're not, no, they're not being a voyeur or being eavesdropping. They're trying to get a, a beat on people who could possibly cheat. And they're trying to say, well, this person is behaving out of the ordinary. <coughs> this person is... The way they're walking isn't right, or they seem to have something wrong. And they're looking for that. They're looking for tells and things that don't seem seem right with normal people. And also, cheating has become much less common during the modern era, not only because it has grown an increasingly impossible task, but because the punishments face cheaters that face cheaters have spiked dramatically. You will rarely ever see someone like Ida Summers getting probation for cheating a casino out of thousands of dollars. No, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of questions, and that kind of that kind of thing is kind of interesting in what they said. Like, do they? Another another article, uh, part of the article, asked a question that was from BetUSCasinos.org. That's where I drew a lot of the a lot of my notes from there. You can. A lot of the questions that was asked was, can you cheat slots? And now you know, yes, you can. There's interesting, there's a lot of interesting, a lot of interesting thoughts, a lot of interesting, uh, a lot of interesting stories of what happened and what people, how people act. From the night, a lot of, a lot of, and what I was talking about, Ben Resurrect there and, and 21. From the 1970s to the 1990s, the MIT blackjack team used card counting techniques to beat casinos and earn millions. Composed of students and ex-students from MIT, Harvard, and other prominent schools, the group was one of the, fir of the first blackjack groups to use organized scientific tactics to beat casinos at their own game. The group's ringleader, Bill Kaplan, trained more than 100 blackjack players over the years and supposedly made $10 million for himself and investors at casinos around the world, which described his card-counting tactics, the Inc., according to Inc., according to Inc., it's just the, the notes and the article says according to Inc., which described his card-counting techniques as frowned upon but legal. Eventually, casinos caught wind of the of the elaborate scheme and began to began barring members of the team from gambling. Although some members continued to play into the 2000s, the team had mostly broken up by 1993. They had become their exploits and their famous had become part of 21 in Ben Mesrick's book. Now I'm trying to find something loading here on exactly what what. Kaplan's team did, and what, why, why card counting 
is is not not illegal and what it what it actually what it actually is and a little bit more of a history on why it's considered strategy and why it's considered not necessarily illegal not necessarily sorry not not necessarily illegal it's it's a casino card game used primarily in blackjack or family casino games to determine whether the next hand is likely to give a probable advantage to the player or to the dealer The most common variations of card counting in blackjack are based on statistical evidence that high cards, especially aces and tens, and to a lesser extent nines, benefit the player more than the dealer, while the low cards, three, fours, sixes, and especially fives, and to a lesser extent twos and sevens, help the dealer while hurting the player. Higher concentration of high cards benefit the player in that it increases the player's chance of hitting a natural blackjack, where well, which typically pays out 150% of the amount bet, whereas a dealer's blackjack will only cause the player to lose their original bet. Doubling down on additional hands can increase the expected profit. Additionally, the elevated ratio of tens and aces increases the odds that doubling down will be successful further increasing expected profit. However, the dealer can, cannot double. So some of the basic also provides additional splitting opportunities for the player when the dealer can't split. A higher amount, a higher, a high enough concentration of tens can make the insurance bet profitable since it increases the probability of a dealer blackjack. The higher concentration of tens also increases the odds of the dealer busting, exceeding 21 of course. While this also increases the odds of the player busting, the player can elect to hit and collect the player can elect not to hit when it is disadvantageous to do so. The dealer must always hit their 15s and 16s. On the other hand, low cards benefit the dealer, since according to blackjack rules, the dealer must must hit stiff hands, 12 to 16, and low cards are safer in these common hands. Thus, a dealer holding 12 to 16 will bust every time if the next card drawn is a 10, making this card essential to track when card counting. Contrary, contrary to popular myth, card counters do not need unusual mental abilities to count cards because they are not tracking and memorizing specific cards. Instead, card counters assign a potential score to each card they see that estimates the value of that card, and then they track the sum of these values, a process called keeping the running count. The myth that card the counters keep track of every card was portrayed in Running Man, in which the, the savant character Raymond Babbitt counts through six decks with ease and, and a casino employee erroneously comments that it is impossible to count six decks. Basic card counting assigns a positive, negative, or zero value to each card available. When a card of that value is dealt, the count is adjusted by that card's counting value. Low cards increase the count as they increase the percentage of high cards in the remaining set of cards. 
while each high card decreases it for the opposite reason. For instance, the high-low system subtracts one for each, for each dealt, 10 jack, queen, king, or ace, and adds one for, for any value 2 to 6. Values 7 to 9 are assigned a value of 0 and therefore do not affect the count. Now, if you kind of ask me, I suck at math. I always have sucked at math and I'm not afraid to admit it to anyone. So card counting, I would never do it. I would never try to, I would never cheat. And I know, I've, what I've read before and gone over and what I've studied in my notes and on Wikipedia here is that it's, that it's, not, that it's not illegal. That, it's, that it's frowned upon, but it's not illegal. There's nothing legally wrong with it. It still kind of sounds like cheating. To me, it sounds like you're trying to, judging by what has come out, you're trying to tell, to tip other people off, uh, secondhandly or or mysteriously, you're trying to tip the other people on your team playing. You're trying to tip them off the, as to the likelihood of the cards coming out. You're not controlling the game. You're not manipulating the game or affecting the game at all. You're you're telling other people or you're telling other members on your team what the likelihood of these other cards coming out are. You're not cheating the game. You're not manipulating or cheating the game. You're cheating the players. You're manipulating and cheating other players by telling, say there's eight people at a table and six of you are on the same team trying to clue each other in as to what the likelihood of you winning money is. Now, the six is going to benefit six of the eight people at the table, but the other two people at the table are getting cheated out of their money because they're not being, you're not letting them in on what's going on. So the money that they're betting and putting on the table could be very easily lost to you or lost to other people on your team because you're counting the cards. Now, I know that's maybe not the best explanation or best description of it, but that's just kind of the way it seems to me. So no, it's not illegal in the sense that you're not manipulating or not controlling the game. And I agree with what Kaplan has said and the other members of the blackjack team said, you're not controlling the game. Right, I get that. You're not controlling the game, but you are cheating. You are cheating other people, even on your own team. You're on che you are cheating other people, and you're cheating other players who are, may not be part of your team. So it's just, it just doesn't seem all that right, and it seems kind of weird to me. And the goal of a card counting system is to assign point values that roughly correlate to a card's effect of removal, or EOR. The EOR is the estimated effort of removing a given card from play and a resulting impact on the house advantage. The player may gauge the effect of removal for all cards dealt and assess the current house advantage of a game based on the remaining cards. As larger ratios between point values and are used to create better correlation to actual EOR with the goal of increasing the efficiency of a system of a system, such systems use more different such systems use more different numbers and are broken into classes depending on such as on such as, as level one, level two, level three, and so on. 
with regard to the ratio between the highest and lowest assigned point values. It's just, there's, there's a lot of... See what I mean? There's a lot of math. And I apologize if you're kind of going, that's a lot of math stuff. And I'm kind of glossing over. I get that. If this was explained to me and there's a lot of math involved, I would be doing the same thing. I'd be going, huh? This is math. I suck at math. Leave me alone. I don't want to deal with it. Just get it out of my face. The, the high-low system is considered a level one count because the running count never increased, increases or decreases by more than a single predetermined value. The multi-level count, such as a Zen count, wrong, wong halves, or high op two, makes finer distinctions between card values to gain greater play accuracy. Rather than all cards having a value of plus one, zero, or negative one, an advanced count must also, must also include card ranks that are not counted as plus 2 and minus 2, or plus, point, oh, plus point 0.5 and minus point 0.5. Advanced players might additionally maintain a side count of specific cards, such as the side count aces, to deal with the situations where the best count for betting accuracy differs from the best count for playing accuracy. Again math and a lot of in-depth math figuring and a lot of in-depth math knowledge stuff like that just not not me not something i would ever be into interested in <coughs> again math no it's just not math no excuse me no 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 math Many side count techniques exist, including special purposes, special purpose counts used when attacking games with non-standard profitable play options, such as an over-under over side bet. See, again, a lot of this is the math thing. The math thing I hate. Now, show me, show me a, a function, an ability that functions on on science or that functions on history or something that uses something like that to determine the likelihood of a card coming out then then that I would like then I can I can get into that I can wrap my head around that and there's a lot more here there's a lot more in here and a lot more in this depth and everything in here that relates to card counting and that relates to these people who have tried to cheat the system and I know I kind of started out with that way. But a lot of people have tried to cheat and manipulate the system. And tried to control it. And it doesn't... There, there's For every person... There's, there's a saying that goes... For every law, there's someone who tries to break it. For every, for every law or every rule that someone comes up with... There's going to be someone who tries to break it. And... Since the inception of casinos, since the inception of casinos and casinos were created, there's always going to be someone who tries to beat them, someone who tries to override them and go against them. And you're always going to come across that, and you're always going to interact with them, that's always going to happen. And a lot of things, a lot of this were the stories of how they were caught. And a lot of this is kind of interesting, as it makes you wonder what happened when they were caught, Back in the days of the mob, when the mob ruled Vegas, what, how were they paid back? And how did the mob get their money back? When people came into their casinos and tried to cheat them, 
because granted, yes, the mob was skimming. But when people came into their casinos and tried to cheat them, what did the mob do to them? How did the mob get them back? It just makes you wonder all these great and wonderful, interesting stories. So a lot of this is just great. And a lot of this stuff is just wonderful and amazing and, and beautiful and interesting. So thank you all for taking this journey with me going back to Vegas and and delving into this amazing topic. Thank you all for listening. Hang around for a little bit more on the end here. Want to check out the best podcast and best YouTube channel out there? True, true friends of this podcast? Check out Fantastic Cruising over on Apple Podcasts and all your favorite podcasting devices and services. Give them a five-star review. Head on over to YouTube. Look up Fantastic Studios. Give them a five-star review and give them comments. They'll love that to death. They are the greatest podcast out there. Give them a shout-out. go to Vegas, visit the best places all around the Strip and all around downtown, all around the surrounding areas. Check out the best vlogs for Vegas anywhere on YouTube at Brar Frederick over on YouTube. B-R-O-R Frederick, F-R-E-D-R-I-K over on YouTube. Go over to Brar Frederick. Subscribe to his channel. Click that bell icon. Click that Hit those those like those like up thumbs. Give give Brar a follow. Give Brar a look. You'll really love what you're seeing. He's an awesome streamer, the best Vegas streamer, and the best thing to watch while you're in Vegas before you go to Vegas, just to experience Vegas as a whole. Please join me in supporting and giving to the Pride Foundation and the Trevor Project. When you donate to the Pride Foundation, you join thousands of supporters building a better, safer, more equitable world for LGBTQIA people and their families. Every gift, whether $1 or $1,000, makes an impact for real people and ripples outward into our communities. There are many different ways to join and help the fight. Also go on to their websites for the Pride Foundation and the Trevor Project and donate and help in any way possible. The Trevor Project offers support and help for LGBTQIA youth all over the country and all over the world. Please show them some love and give them some support.